So I was thinking just the other day what my life was like 50 years ago when I first started out and I first left home. How much less complicated things were. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I was thinking as I was saying what life was like 50 years ago starting out. I had all these high hopes, these ambitions. I had great plans for what my life was going to be. Yet I wasn't concerned. I wasn't worried. I wasn't fearful. I had a plan. I had a goal. And I had enough common sense that had been instilled in me by family and yes, even back then, the school system. They had prepared me for this next phase of my life. As I look back over the things that formed who I became during my high school years, my my interest in radio broadcasting, I really fell in love with the idea of being involved in radio. I wanted to be on the air. And by the time I was a senior in high school, I had pulled it off working at a top 40 radio station in the second half of my senior year. After I graduated high school, I spent that summer working literally six, sometimes seven days a week, saving up the money I was going to need to get started with both school and being able to support myself. Life was a whole lot simpler back in the summer of 1972, and yes, even the fall of 1972. At that time, I had all the things that I believed I needed in life to get by. Had a pretty decent stereo system. That was important back in 1972. I had a little car, didn't have air conditioning, barely had heat wasn't much to look at, but it started up and got me from point A to point B. And I was renting a small room in a big old house in the Cuyahoga Falls area of Ohio. And a couple of my high school buddies that also decided to go to the same school, we, we lived together at this house and we all started out together. All of our lives would take different twists and turns. But even in those days of just starting out, trying to find a job to support me along with my school, I had enough to get started. But I never worried, I never panicked, I didn't lose any sleep over any of it. I just knew deep inside, everything was going to be all right. And it did work out quite well. Now, was I wealthy? Did I have lots of money in my wallet? Of course not. I mean, I was the kind of person looking through the sofa looking for change, you know, or or double-checking pants pockets to make sure I didn't leave, you know, 25 cents or maybe even a whole dollar. That was a big deal, a dollar. Yet I never starved. I never did without. And I never was, well, homeless. I did find a job. I had one briefly before the other one that I really wanted opened up. 
I even worked in a fast food place for a couple of weeks until it got robbed one night. And I decided that was not exactly the place to work. And right about that same time, as I decided it was time to leave there, the hours were way too late to begin with. It made it very difficult to get up in the morning and be at school. A job at a radio station down the road in Canton, Ohio, opened up. And for a 20, 25-minute drive south, I had a job that was perfect for the school schedule that I had. And I only worked five days a week, which was unheard of at that time. Life was a lot easier. Simple car, simple stereo. We didn't have microwaves. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have all these things that distract us. Had a little black and white, old black and white TV set that was sitting on a table in that old house with a with a pair of rabbit ears picking up a couple of TV stations out of Akron or Cleveland or something. I can't remember. But I never watched the TV that much. Listen to some music. And and tried to plan for the kind of future that I was seeking. I had a goal. I was going to be very good in electronics. And I was going to make it big as a radio announcer. Now, did those things ever pan out exactly as I planned? Of course not. There's an old saying, if you want to see God laugh, tell him your long-term plans. Everything I had planned on doing, going to Ohio, it started to fall apart in October of 1972. It all began to collapse. I'd gotten to school in September, got myself established, and I had great plans. But things at my home with my mom and dad went south. And out of nowhere, I was surprised to find out they were separating and getting divorced. The things that I'd wanted to do initially, I realized were not going to be met in Ohio. And so I made some changes again. And looking back now, hindsight is always 2020. Listen to me carefully about this. Hindsight is always 2020. I can see God's hand in my life even when I was not paying attention. It was never meant for me to be the big radio announcer in a big market on one of those high-powered 50,000-watt blowtorch radio stations out of, a, out of Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, or wherever. My life was going to be vastly different than what I anticipated. And as I look back 50 years ago, as I look back 45 years ago, as I look back 40 years ago, life was much simpler I don't remember being stressed out at night. I don't remember worrying about how am I going to pay this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to? I just didn't. Did I make a lot of money? No, but money went a lot farther than it does today. 
I, I can remember you could make in the 1970s a couple hundred dollars a week and you could live fairly well, especially in the part of the world that I was living. If you made $300 a week back then, people would say, man, you're making some good money. Yet over time, our incomes have not kept pace with the things we're supposed to pay for, whether it be health insurance, car insurance, whether it be rent or car, I mean, house payment. There's been this slow erosion over 50 years. And the number of things that are required for us to function in our world today, whether we like it or not, I know there are a lot of you that listen to this program that manage to remain offline. It's not easy. It's not easy to function anymore if you're not online. And so now there's that monthly expense. And then a lot of places don't want TV antennas on homes, unless you're way out in the country, or if you're in a, an apartment complex or condominium, they make you pay for cable service. Another expense I don't remember having. You know, in 1975, when I got married, I, I can remember I we didn't have cable TV. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have a whole lot of things. We had a small house and I managed to put up a 15 foot mast on the top of that house. Maybe a little higher. I can't quite remember. And I had saved up for about a month, putting a few dollars aside to buy a really monstrous television antenna to go with our new color TV set. And I mean, what more would you need than a 23-inch color TV set? How could you need more? We, I had everything we needed. I still had my stereo system that I'd put together in high school. I, I miss those days. I really do. I truly miss a time that was easier, less stressful. Now, I know there were stressful times, and I probably have forgotten many of them. But I remember one thing that really stands out. I was content in who I was and what I was doing, and I had great hope for the future. And there was something else that I knew way back when. That in spite of myself, in spite of my failings, in spite of my shortcomings, I always knew there was a God that loved me, cared for me, and I made a promise to him and he was keeping his end of the promise to me in spite of sometimes being, well, failure, just being a failure in the things of God. And over the years, he opened up doors that as I look back now, why were these doors open for me? Why was I given experience in certain jobs that maybe I wasn't quite qualified for, but I became qualified in the job? Let me tell you a true story. I had been on radio as an announcer, and I had been trying to work my way up, as we call it, the food chain, 
I'd worked in the smaller markets, I'd worked in bigger stations, and I was trying to get to the big cities, and I managed to do it. But it was when I got at that, at the doorstep of having to make that decision, that commitment to being a radio announcer following that path. I was still in my 20s. Still time to make a change in the course, a course correction. Just a little side note here. I can remember when I was much younger in my high school years, I used to, my uncle was a sailboat enthusiast. He was very good at it. And he'd be, he would enter these sailboat races. Not that he had a boat, he was just a good skipper and he would bring us along. And if you're sailing at night, which can be done if you have the right gear, you, you, you keep checking your course, you keep checking the stars, you keep checking all the navigation tools we had at the time, and every so often you make a little course correction. And sometimes because of things that you don't anticipate, you have to make a major course correction to avoid problems. And as I look back in, your, in my 20s, that was the time to make those course corrections. And I did. I realized as much as I wanted to be that famous radio announcer and play the top 40 hits, I mean, that was what I wanted to do and, and have the fallback of broadcast engineering. I was still working toward that goal as well. I woke up one day and realized, is this the life for a, a family person? Is this the life I truly want to lead? Because the hours can be all-consuming. If you're doing early mornings, you're going to bed early at night and getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning. What kind of family life are you going to have when you go to, when you go to bed at 7 or 8 at night? Then there's always the struggle of, of the rating books. What if somebody's a better announcer than I am? What if, what if this format suddenly doesn't do as well and we have a new competitor? Will I lose my job? Will I have to pick up and move? And all of these things, I started thinking about them. And I noticed one thing in the radio business, in the bigger markets, the engineering staff, they stick around. Radio announcers come and go. General managers and program directors, they too come and go. But chief engineers and engineering staff, they tend to be around for a long time. And so I made the decision to start getting off the radio and preparing to move to the engineering side. It took about a year and a half to make the transition, and it's one that I don't regret. And one of the first full-time engineering jobs that I got was not in a small town. It actually was in a major market. And, and God, I look back now, only by the hand of God could the doors have opened for me to be in a market that size with a company that decent and a paycheck that good. And I put my heart and my soul into that work. And I got good at it. I got very good at it. 
and, and over time, I got to the point that I was able to work for a manufacturer of broadcast equipment, and that was one of the wonderful, most wonderful jobs I ever had. When you're at a radio station, you're you're kind of on call 24-7, 365. If things break at 2 o'clock in the morning, they're going to call you. You're going to have to get up and go fix it. Now, that didn't happen often, but it happened more often than I would like. And moving to the manufacturing side, suddenly I had regular hours and my weekends off. I built a decent reputation in terms of what I did engineering-wise. And, and I thought that I would stay doing that with a company for many, many years. I didn't anticipate leaving. I had no particular reason to want to. And then another course adjustment came along. As God guided us, my wife had had a health issue. And I loved the job that I had, but it required a tremendous amount of travel, which didn't bother me in those days at all. I didn't mind running to the airport. I was flying everywhere. Didn't matter. I didn't care if it was a bumpy ride. I just, I just loved life and I loved what I did. But with a health issue, I knew I was going to have to be home more to care for her needs during a long time of recuperation. And so God opened a door again. And I took a bit of a pay cut. And we moved to a small town, actually my wife's hometown, where we had met not that many years before in Toccoa, Georgia. Eleven years prior, we had met in Toccoa, Georgia. I'd started my broadcast career in the South in Georgia. Made my way to Atlanta and the Carolinas and all over. And here we, here we were, suddenly back Back where we started from. But this time, instead of working for a secular radio station, I was working for a Christian college that had a radio station, that had some goals of expanding their broadcast ministry. And God blessed that work beyond any of our imaginations, especially mine. And what I thought would be a short-term job of a year or two or three to get my wife back in decent shape ended up being 14 years at that site. See, God had a plan. And sometimes we forget this. Sometimes we don't acknowledge it. Like I said at the beginning of the program, we, we have all these long-range plans, and oftentimes they get thoroughly changed. They really do. I never anticipated myself being in ministry as a church pastor. My grandparents had prayed for that for many, many, many years. And as they were getting into their 70s and then into their 80s and closing in on their 90s, they had pretty well given up on that idea. But God hadn't given up on their prayer and where he wanted me to be. And before my grandparents' home going to meet their Lord, they saw me complete the process to enter the ordained ministry. 
My grandparents had to wait until their mid-90s to see that happen. And when God called them home, I had the privilege of conducting their funeral services. I look back now, over 50 years, and I see where the world was then, where the world is now. I can remember in the 1960s listening to the radio and songs like we're on the eve of destruction. And I can remember being told how how difficult the times are and how rough things are getting. In the 1970s, there was a big recession. And you want to know something? It, it never really bothered me. I, I never really dwelled on it. I wasn't beaten up by it. We just went through life. We had our jobs. Interest rates were rather high. Money wasn't plentiful. But I never remember a day when there was no food in the refrigerator. I never remember a day when there was no money to put a little bit of gas in the car to get to work. As that old song, I guess, goes way, way back, what is it, 1920s, 1930s? I can't remember. Going along, singing our song side by side. We ain't got a barrel of money, you know, if you remember the lyrics. Life was so much different. We weren't as angry with each other. We weren't as hateful toward each other. Crime was a lot lower overall. We weren't as politically divided. We were not made tribal against each other. That's the best way to put it. People in ministry 50 years ago were highly respected in their communities. Now they're often spit upon, cursed, and mocked. The world was far from perfect 50 years ago. But you want to know something? I would go back in a heartbeat if I could, but we can't. We are here in the world. We're here at such a time as this. And for those of us of faith, let me be as clear and as emphatic as I can be. While we have all this wonderful technology, while we have all these creature comforts, cars that last longer, and a promise of, <laughs> of a better future. I don't see it. I see a very stressful time. And I see also opportunity for people of faith. The world has always had challenges. It's always had wars. It has always had troubles. But there was a time that we could go to our homes and be in a sanctuary and turn it off for the day. It's increasingly more difficult to do. I mentioned the other day a project that I'm working on, and, and I'm, I'm hesitant to talk about it too much, but I'm going to anyway. It's not fully ready, and there's still some things that need to be done. I have talked about 
about building a platform. And and I, I recognize something. You know, if you listen to this program on Thursday, and for those that are listening on KVOH, you'll hear the program, the recording I did on Thursday on Saturday. We need a lot of voices out there sharing good news and solid information. One of the things that has deeply concerned me over the years, look, I'm just a small little radio program and podcast. I'm not some big superstar that's on hundreds of radio stations in the United States or in Canada or wherever. It's just me on a handful of shortwave frequencies and a podcast. And maybe, God willing, we'll we'll grow to other places. But you want to know something? Just like the person I interviewed on the program on Thursday, Beth Ann. We are just voices in the wilderness doing our part for the kingdom of God. And my prayer is that hundreds of these small voices are raised up to be on maybe a local radio station here or an online station there, maybe international shortwave like I'm doing, to be able to keep the good news of the gospel and the saving message of Jesus Christ on radio and on podcast. And we're not a big target. One of the problems with being the biggest and best, two things can happen. When you get really big and a corporation then owns your program or you're on a big corporation's platform, you may have to compromise your message. That's just a fact of life. And when you're a big target, they come after you, trying to deplatform you, trying to destroy you and your reputation. You're a target. But when you have all these small voices out there reaching those that God has ordained that we reach, we're not quite as noticed. And we can get the job done. So this project I'm working on, and I'll just mention it now. You know, I've been thinking about it for a long time. You've, you've heard me talk about ancient word radio. And it is a ministry that I started a number of years ago called Ancient Word Radio. And it was basically an online little music offering, nothing spectacular, playing music that was hard to find in the world of Christianity. Mostly music that goes way back hundreds of years. The classics, so to speak. And it had it, it run for years in the background. And I just felt very compelled to create this thing called Ancient Word Radio. But over the last year or so, I've been thinking even more about it. And so I took it offline for a period of time and decided it needs to be more than one channel. But I don't need to be 50 or 100 channels. I don't even need to be 10. I think that becomes redundant. And so right now, if you go to ancientwordradio.com, that's ancientwordradio.com, the beginnings of the first formats are now available. Now, there may be some technical issues. We're working on that. It's going to take another couple of weeks to get everything tidied up and working the way it should. 
And there are two music channels and soon to be a talk and teaching channel on there as well. And I'm going to use that platform to air this program and several others. And there are people that I know and admire that need a place to put what they're doing to make it available to a wider audience. And my background in broadcasting and the equipment and the automation and all that goes with it comes into play. And this is, I want to use this in my retirement years to build something that'll far go beyond me. I see the day, and it won't be that many years down the road. I truly see the day when this ministry that I'm starting, that I'm just, you know, I'm planting the seeds. I'm watching it spring. I'm watching the little buds right now. I truly believe the day is going to come that I hand this over to somebody to tend that garden and grow it to what it can be. I also want to see this radio program grow to what it can be as well. And I will continue to do this radio program as long as God gives me breath and I feel his leading to continue, which I do. And now I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? Like I say, today's program is a little different and I got something special in the next segment. But I wanted to mention ancientwordradio.com. Take a look. Take a listen. Send me an email. When you give a gift to this ministry, you're not supporting the online. That's something that'll take care of itself differently. I have been subsidizing that out of my pocket for three, four years now since I first was doing it. And it's it's not much. It's something, it's my offering. But I want to see it grow beyond just the little site that it is. And I know that it can. Would you pray for the work that I'm doing? And would you pray that this, this that I'm trying to build will be something that real men of God that are looking for a place to put their programs, they can use it. I want it to be a vehicle to help others in sharing the faith. And if you believe in keeping this radio program on shortwave, by the way, uh, one by one, the transmitters, not all of them will be back anytime soon, but a number of the transmitters at WRMI are back online. We are back to our regular schedule that we had prior to Hurricane Ian, and we are just thanking God that the first three transmitters that were back online are the the three that this program is on. Out of the 14 in the building, the first three back on are the ones that we are on. And to that I say thanks be to God. And I do want to find additional shortwave radio outlets. I really believe in it. I think that it is something that is, is neglected. And as much as being online is wonderful, I also recognize the day may come when that plug could be pulled or restricted. But between now and then, would you consider supporting this work? If you would, you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. And our mailing address is Post Office Box 510. That's Post Office Box 510. 
And the city is Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. That's 24319, 24319. Now, we will take a break. And I've got something special to share with you on the other side. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The days of Nida coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In Zechariah 12, it speaks of the final Yom Kippur for the Jewish people. It says, Then they shall look upon me whom they have pierced and mourn as for an only son. Then I shall open up a a fountain for cleansing. It says, For sin and for impurity. Now the word for impurity there is an interesting, real interesting one. It's in Hebrew, it's nida. Nida is the same word that's used of a woman. It means a, a woman who is in ritual uncleanness or impurity. She has to be separate, even from her husband. Her husband can't touch her. It's the days of separation, nida means. Well, Israel was meant to be God's beloved, his bride. But for 2,000 years, they've been separated from him. They've been in the days of nida, in the days of separation. And so the Lord could not hold her and receive her back. But the day that she confesses her sins and repents before God and Messiah, the nida of Israel shall be taken away. The days of, of separation. And so even as believers, we have our own nidas. We often separate ourselves from God in, in, in a heart that stays in guilt or sin or, or separation and independence from God. But God is calling us to end the nidah. But you can only end it with cleansing and receive his grace. Don't be separated from God. Don't be distant, my friend. Don't be far anymore. Be cleansed, be made right, be brought near. The Lord is calling you to be free of all that separates you from him. So you can be brought near into his arms and you can end the days of your nida. Now, feeling like your walk with God could use a real spiritual boost? We got the answer. A free subscription to Sapphire's warning used as directed. It can revolutionize your walk for victory. And also the incredible mystery of the temple doors, all free. You'll love it. How do you get it free? Easy. Just remember Jesus is real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me in two of the most exciting missions, to beam the word of life around the earth by shortwave radio to every tribe and tongue, and to bring the gospel to Israel, the Jewish people who gave it to you. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. It's incredible. You'll be blessed. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Now you can write me direct. Here's how. Let's write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, come to your beloved, my friend, in Messiah, Haderech, the way of God. Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. 
Yeah, 50 years ago. What a time it was. I can remember getting ready to vote for the first time uh, come November of that year, 1972. How things have changed in time. I was so excited. I had so much hope and promise about, hey, I'm going to vote. I'm going to make a difference. And today, a lot of people around the world and here in the United States, Canada, wherever, we keep voting and we keep hoping to make things better. And the question is, have we really accomplished the goal? In my 50 years, the answer is not really. I've said this a hundred times on this program, I'm sure, in the past two plus years. The enemy of our soul gets two or three steps of victory and we feel we're doing a lot if we get one, maybe two of those steps occasionally back. All in all, we are still marching toward a time a time that is going to be unprecedented. Sure, there's been terrible evil. Look in the 20th century. Look look over the past 2,000 years, even longer. There have been horrible times. But there's something a little different that I, that I feel and I, and I detect. This hatred and this anger toward God and God's people and those of the faith like I've never seen before. Public institutions in a country like the United States going after Christians, trying to silence them in in social media, in the public square, in the courts. And those are the things that I fear the most. Yeah, nuclear war, do I fear it? I don't really. If this world ends tomorrow, then I wake up in glory. So I don't carry any fear about where this world is supposedly going. Here's what I do understand. The most important job I have is not making myself famous on a radio program. It isn't. The most important job that I have is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and his gospel to a lost and dying world. Somewhere along the way, and I'll share the story some other day, a lot of people were praying for me as a child to do some of the things that I do today. Now, am I some famous pastor or do I have a church of 1,000 or 2,000 or 5,000 people? No, I don't. I've been content pastoring a church of 75 to 100 in my, in my lifetime. And I may start another one here in Virginia and I'll be happy to have 30 to 50 of the people that God has called to be there and use this platform to go beyond the four walls. God, by his mercy, has directed my life. That's the only way I can put it. God in his mercy has directed my paths. I had one of the most complimentary emails the other day that came in from somebody that listens to this this radio program, I think as a podcast. 
and had mentioned that in the past he's heard some sermons that I have preached that I've used occasionally on this program. And he said, you need to preach more often. Well, problem number one, I don't have that many of my sermons that I've preached in the past recorded. So I don't have this big pile of sermons at my disposal, just a handful. And I don't want to wear them all out by using them up too quickly. But when he said that, I I took a look to see what I had from going way back when, so to speak. And five years ago this weekend, five years ago this weekend, hard to believe where the time has gone. I preached a short sermon, not very long, to a congregation in Georgia. And it was about how we have a shepherd the good shepherd in Jesus Christ. Look, as a pastor, I'm also a, let's put it this way, I'm a shepherd as well in the stead of Christ when you're being the pastor of a church. In all of our lives, Jesus is our good shepherd. And he guides us, leads us, directs us in times, and I can share from my own personal life, he chastises us to keep us in the fold. And so I want to take you back to a message that I I gave to this church in Georgia five years ago about how Jesus Christ is our gentle shepherd. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see what you have for us, our ears to hear your message, and our hearts to receive your word. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. For those that come to the chapel on a regular basis, we have this window up there. We've all seen that window. And if you're new for the first time, you see the Good Shepherd window. For those that are not here and hearing my voice, it is the stained glass representation of Jesus as the Good Shepherd. He's got the staff in his right hand. He's got a couple of few lambs around him, and he's carrying one on his shoulder. In our gospel lesson today, in our psalm today, in our epistle today, are a couple of interweaving themes that on the surface don't seem to be connected, but they really are. Last night, as I'm putting the finishing touches on this message, I was sitting outside, and I don't know if you noticed it, but it was a very quiet night last night when you're out where I was at. All I could hear in the distance was a creek. I didn't hear insects, birds, other little varmints, and all the noises they normally make. It was like this total stillness. And, and my mind went to the 23rd Psalm. He leads me beside still waters. Water is one of the most important things we have for life. Shepherds had to find ways of getting their flock water and plenty of good grass or pasture to eat. Now, I'm going to jump to the gospel lesson, then I'm going to come back to our good shepherd. This gospel lesson today is really a type 
of Jesus the Messiah coming to his chosen people Israel and how he is rejected. We saw that in last week's gospel, the stone that the builder rejected. I mean, everything's ready. I invited you to the, to the wedding feast, and if you look at the other gospels that mention this, you know, everybody said they were going to come. When the invitation first went out, oh yeah, we'll be there. We're going to be there. That's kind of like in the South. You all come and visit us sometime. Try that and see how far you get. But, oh, you've heard that expression. I have. But what we're seeing in this gospel, okay, the invitation that had been put out a long time before, everybody, everybody said they were coming. If you look at the parallel accounts, which kind of fill in some of the gaps when you put it all together, when the time came and the feast is ready and the word goes out, hey, dinner's on the table. We have the best wine. We have the best this. We have the best of the best of everything for you. And you all said you're coming. Now, I got too much to do. I just, you know, I just bought a new oxen and I just did this or I just got a new wife. You know, I mean, just everybody had an excuse of why they wouldn't go. They found something more important than keeping their commitment to what they said they were going to do to come to the wedding feast. Well, obviously, when you have food for who knows how many hundreds of people were invited to this thing, you don't want it to go to waste, the king in his anger goes, go to the highways and go to the byways, if you use the King James Version, Find anybody and invite them in. Once again, the type of how we as Gentiles are now grafted onto the tree of life. We have been, we, we now have an invitation to come to the wedding feast. We've got that invitation in hand. The thing that a lot of people don't understand when the king comes in to see his banquet hall full he sees somebody without a wedding garment. In other words, they had a special garment you wore to come to this kind of a party. And there's just somebody sitting there at the table, and he's not part of the wedding party. And the king goes, how did you get in here? And, you know, this kind of this dumbfounded look, I don't know, I'm just here. And the king essentially takes him and has him thrown out in not a very honorable manner. You know, just because we as Gentiles have been offered, offered the tree of life, so to speak, and been given that gift, there's still a lot of people that in being given that gift, the cultural Christians, as I've used that term before, they come, but they're not wearing a wedding gown. They're not ready. They're not really, they're not really a part. And that is the key. They are not a part. And they are then disinvited from the banquet. Now, how does this relate to the 23rd Psalm and our Good Shepherd? Now, my wife may argue this because she actually worked on a farm. I never have. But sheep are not exactly, in my opinion, the smartest of the animals. They're not dumb, but they're not the smartest. They have from what my wife would tell me, they, they do have sometimes an independent streak about them. That much we can agree on. 
Back in ancient times, being a shepherd was an honorable profession and a very risky one and a very rewarding one. You know, the Bible talks about the good shepherd is the one that will give up his life for his sheep. The hireling, you know, the guy you pay to do it, you know, for you. If he sees danger coming, it's like, you know, your sheep are on your own. I'm out of here. Have you ever heard the term in the Bible, Jesus says, I am the gate. I am the gate. And a lot of people, we just hear that and don't comprehend what it means. At night, when the sheep were bought back from the pasture by the shepherd with his staff and his rod and everything else and put into their little pen, the shepherd then laid and slept in the gate. He was the gate. He didn't close the door and go home. He stayed out there to protect his sheep from whatever would come by. They were safe in the walls, but he didn't just close the gate. He became the gate. Everybody always looks at that little picture up there. How many of you understand why Jesus is carrying that one sheep? I'm going to tell you. Jesus talks about if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one wanders away, you'll go find that one sheep. You'll find him. As I said, you know, these, these sheep have a mm, independent streak. And sometimes they decide they're not going to do with the good shepherd who's looking after their best interest in feeding and water and everything else that they need. They sometimes just ignore that. And you get that one sheep, like the one Jesus is carrying, the one that is contrary to the rest of the flock. And to be honest, he never obeys the shepherd. And sometimes it takes a little bit of tough love. In this case, a shepherd lovingly, and he hates to do it, has to break one of his legs. Then he carries the sheep while he heals. And by the time the leg is healed, the sheep is, the little, the, the little sheep has forgotten all about his leg being broken. He's now bonded with the shepherd. He's now close to the shepherd. And he's the one that will never stray again. He will always be there. I didn't know that until I actually talked to someone that had seen that and that, what the, that's how they did it back in those days. You know, even in our lives, sometimes we're a little contrary. And sometimes Jesus may be, I like that song, gentle shepherd. And you know, Jesus can be our gentle shepherd, but he can also be the disciplining shepherd when the time and the need is proper. Hard to fathom, but it's true. I love that hymn we use, Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. You have invited us to your wedding banquet, Lord. We're not even worthy of the invitation. We need to learn to put on that wedding robe to be a part of his party. We need to be, as the psalmist also says, the sheep of his pasture. Because all he has in mind for us are the good things. He guides us, provides for us, and protects us. That's the lesson I hope we learn today. Yeah, in our lives sometimes God may deal with us what seems to be harshly, but it's not because he's cruel. 
It's because he loved us so much to restore us into his kingdom. The invitation has been given. The feast is now ready. Will you come and dine at his table? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we, we've gotten together this morning to gather around your word. Lord, even as the Bible teaches, all we like sheep have gone astray, each to his own desire, his own idea. But you are the shepherd that truly loves us and wants to bring us together as your flock for our benefit and for our protection. May we listen and abide and obey the shepherd's voice. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Gentle shepherd, come and lead us, for we need you to help us find our and our world is polluted with sound. Lord, let us hear you. In a land dissected and muddled by mazes of roads and never-ending highways, Lord, help us find your way. In a world of easy promises, empty guarantees, and quick-claim insurance policies, give us the security of your hand, Lord Jesus. At a time when we are confused by conflicting authorities that would tell us how to manage our marriages, our finances, and our children. Oh, Lord Jesus, show us your way. As we walk the tightropes of parenthood in these explosive days, training our little ones to live in a world for which there are no precedents, Lord, we just need you in all things, gentle shepherd. Help us find the way. There's no other we mm-hmm.
the time gone for today's edition of Truth to Ponder. It seems like I just got started talking about the world 50 years ago, getting started, and here I am now looking at wanting to hand off the work that I do over time to those that God has raised to come behind me. We're here for a purpose. And sometimes we lose sight of that in the day-to-day activities and all the day-to-day struggles. And that's when you reach out and say, Lord, you know, I need you as my shepherd, my gentle shepherd. And let him guide and direct your pathways. Now, as we finish up today's program, just a reminder again, about the project that I'm working on and you can avail yourself, take a look. It's still a work in progress, so please bear with it. You can go to ancientwordradio.com. That's ancientwordradio.com. And share your thoughts with me about this particular project. And also, if you'd like to send me an email personally, you can do it by using bob at truth the number two ponder.com that's bob at truth the number two ponder.com you can find out more about the radio program there as well and if you'd like you could even support this effort from the website truth the number two ponder.com and we're moving toward using give send go give send go as our online way of of fundraising. It is a Christian organization, and while PayPal is still there for those that use it, um, if you can use the other, that would be much appreciated. Or you can support this ministry by writing a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio, mailing address, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowee, Virginia, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.